Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the uh, video teaching series, The Love of God. And this is part four of that series, The Compelling Power of God's Love. And this is lesson number four of part four. And uh, in this series, this part four series of videos, we are talking about biblical ministry. Biblical ministry. I started... I started with these things. I read them as the preamble to the entire part four. The love of God is the impetus for all biblical ministry. It is the source of all biblical ministry. The love of God is the power behind all biblical ministry. The love of God is the motive behind all biblical ministry. The love of God is the agency of all biblical ministry Seeing others receive and grow in the love of God is the goal of all biblical ministry. Now, uh, I have taught every bit of that in principle in parts one, two, three, and now here we are in four. Because ultimately, in God, his ultimate goal in loving us is, of course, to have a relationship with us. That's the first commandment. But second of all, and it's a, it's a Siamese twin. They're connected. They're so connected you can't separate them in, into one and two, even though technically they are one and two. You can't have, if you don't have number two, you don't have number one. If you don't have, you know, if you're not obeying commandment number two, you don't have and are obeying Commandment number one, because if you have and obey commandment number one, it will automatically begin to produce in you commandment number two. And commandment number two can basically be summed up as his ministry through us. How does he minister through us? By his love. And that's what we're talking about here, the compelling power of God's love. God's love compels us. And we'll get that to that in another lesson or two here, uh, where we're going to talk specifically. We'll quote the verse, 2 Corinthians 5.14, for the love of Christ compelleth us. So we'll talk about that then. But the love of God is very compelling. It compels us to come to him. Now, we can always... Def- resist that and deny it, but he draws us, he compels us to him. He compels us to to uh, obey salvation. He compels us to draw closer to him. He compels us to grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He compels us to take his mission and ministry upon ourselves. Not It doesn't become our mission and ministry. We become his conduit for him to do his mission and ministry through us. So reading all of that, I'm now, this is lesson four, and the title of this lesson is a little long. The ultimate victory uh, gives us confidence here and now to minister according to his will. So uh, we're dying, yes, but why are we not afraid to die? Either dying out to ourselves or to dying naturally that one time that it's appointed to us to die. Why? Because we have confidence on what comes after that death. If I die natu- uh, if I die to myself, then I have his life 
abiding in me and ministering and flowing through me in ministry. If I die in myself, my natural body dies, I have a new life that is already prepared and waiting on me when it's his time. And all of that, both of those take place in his time. It's appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. Now, the Lord was trying to get me to die for many decades. and But he knew, he knew I was only going to do it partially. He didn't make me only do it partially, but he knew I was going to do that. So he knew what would be the ultimate uh, coup d'etat that would bring me to that appointed day. And that was the collapsing of our church building in snow, in a snowstorm in February of 2003. It brought me to the end of me. The most spiritual day of your life is when you're ready to quit and give up. But the question is, whom are you going to give up on? Or who are you going to give up on? Are you going to give up on God? Or are you going to give up on yourself and quit and let him finally have you as his conduit instrument? Now, the Lord takes a big risk bringing us to the end like that because he knows we have free will and we can choose to walk away. We can quit on God. He knows, but this is so critical to our salvation and to his work of ministry and seeing others saved through us that he risks it by bringing us to the end of ourselves, knowing that we have the power to decide, the, the, the authority to choose whether to quit on ourselves and give up ourselves to God or quit on God and continue to be the God of our own lives, which we are in fact being even though we don't acknowledge that. So I'm reading to you about this confirmation and this, this confidence. Second Corinthians chapter 5 beginning with verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house of this, if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not that, uh, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the eternal, the earnest of his spirit. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing whilst we're at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Now, wow, is that absolutely full of stuff that you could teach about. Uh, I'm reading now from the Amplified. But we know that if the tent, which is our earthly home, is destroyed, dissolved, we have from God a building, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Here indeed, in this present abode, body, or tent, 
We sigh and groan inwardly because we yearn to be clothed over. We yearn to be to put on our celestial body like a garment, to be fitted out uh, with our heavenly dwelling, so that by putting it on we may be found naked without a body. So that so that by putting it on we may not be found naked without a body. Uh, parentheses without a body. For while we are still in this tent. We groan under the burden and sigh deeply, weighed down, depressed, oppressed. Not that we want to put off the body, the clothing of the spirit, but rather that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal, our dying body, may be swallowed up by life after the resurrection. Now he who has fashioned us, preparing and making us fit for this very thing is God, who also hath given us the Holy Spirit, as a guarantee of the fulfillment of his promise. So then, we are always full of good and hopeful and confident courage. We know that while we're at home in the body, we are abroad from the home with the Lord that is promised us. For we walk by faith. We regulate our lives and conduct ourselves by our conviction or belief respecting man's relationship to God and divine things with trust and holy fervor, thus we walk, not by sight or appearance. Yes, we have confident and hopeful courage and are pleased rather to be away from our home out of the body and to be at home with the Lord. Wow. <laughs> and uh, we says it this way. But we know that if our house of this present tent life on earth be taken away, be taken down, Our building from God we have, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed in this tent we are groaning, longing to be clothed in in addition with our house which is from heaven. Seeing that also we have been clothed, we shall not be found naked, a disembodied spirit. For indeed we are, we are being, we being in this tent, are groaning, being weighed down because we do not desire to be unclothed, divested of our mortal body, but clothed upon, invested with our heavenly body, in order that we may, that that which is mortal may be swallowed up by the life. Now, he who is work, who, who by his working in us made us fit for this very thing, the change from mortal to mortality to life is God, who, he who gave us the Spirit, uh, as a token payment in kind, guaranteeing to us (laughs) the rest of our salvation. I'm going to read that whole verse again because it's got too much good stuff and I just kind of stumbled through that one. For indeed, we being in this tent are groaning, being weighed down because we do not desire to be unclothed, divested of our mortal body, but clothed the phone, invested with our heavenly body, in order that that which is mortal may be swallowed up by the life. Now he who by his working in us made us fit for this very thing, the change from mortality to life, is God. He who gave us the spirit as a token payment in kind, guaranteeing to us the rest of our salvation. Being therefore always confident and knowing that while we are in our natural home for this earthly existence in our body, 
We are living abroad absent from that home in heaven, the Lord. For though our, for, for through faith we are ordering our manner of life, not by something seen. Now we are of good courage and well pleased rather to be away from our body as our home and at home face to face with the Lord. Now, there are some things in there that are really hard to be understood, as Peter said about Paul's writings. But if you read this in the context of chapter 4 that we've just taught on, and the remainder of chapter 5, it makes a lot more sense. Paul is saying uh, that in, the, in chapter 4, he kept focusing on our dying here, our dying out to ourselves. He kept focusing on that. And, and this, uh, this, uh, uh, light affliction, which is but for a moment, which worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at things which are seen, but at things which are unseen, because the things which are seen are temporal, things which are unseen are eternal. He then goes next for, that word for the, means on this account, because of that, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. The Lord Jesus Christ's body, the man's body, became a glorified body. And we have one just like it waiting on us. But for now, we live in this natural body. And God is always allowing this natural body to be in a process of dying to self. And as we get older, it is dying naturally. Every day, it's a little closer to death. And no matter how healthy we are at our, in our older age, our bodies are dead, uh, have been, or have been dying compared to what we were at 18, 25. And the Lord says this, okay, get it now. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. Here you ready? For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened. Not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought for uh, wrought us for the self same thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Notice this: for he that hath wrought us for the self same. It didn't say wrought for us. We are the ones that God is working on. The word wrought there means to work. It's something produced through work. And it's not what God is working for us. He's working us for God, for his purposes. Well, I don't like that. Are you kidding? What a privilege. And an an abundant, eternal weight of glory. Oh, that's right. I'm still here groaning. I'm still here weighted down with burdens. I want I don't I want to be rid of this. I do too, but not here. Not here. 
I'm not asking you to take any of it away. As I've talked or mentioned before, on the night of August the 1st, 2003, from that night to this day, I have not asked God for one thing. All I've done is cast. Just cast it. I'm not seeking for anything from here now. If he wants to give it, I'm receiving whatever he initiates and wants to give. But if he's not initiating it, he's not giving it, and I don't want it. What I want is, I want his grace, his mercy, his peace, his love, his righteousness, his hope, his joy, his authority, his power. I want those things working in and through me for his kingdom's sake. Why? Because I'm going to heaven. My mind's made up, I'm going to heaven. And whatever he has to do or say, the answer is yes, because I'm going to heaven. It's not anything to think about here. There's not anything to weigh out. There's nothing to consider and let me get back with you, Jesus. I'm going to heaven. And to go to heaven, <laughs> to go to heaven, I, 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 I've got, it's yes, the answer is yes. I've signed the check. There's no payee on it. There's no date on it. There's no amount on it. I've signed the check. I'm going to heaven. Whatever you say, the answer is yes. Whatever you want, the answer is yes. Whatever you want to do through me, the answer is yes. Whatever you want me to go through, the answer is yes. Why? Because this body and what it's going through is working for me far more exceeding eternal weight of glory because he is making me, molding me, conforming me into the image of his son. He is making me into what he wants me to be for eternity. That's why the closer, the closer I get to that, the closer I'm getting to the day I'm out of here. And we want to hurry the process because we don't like the trials. We don't like the tests. We groan under the burden of all of that. But when we get the revelation of what's going on, I'm not asking to stay. I'm not asking to leave. I don't want to leave here until he is absolutely done doing everything to me to prepare me for what he wants to use me to do here in these last days and what he, what he has planned for me to do in his millennial kingdom and what he has planned for me to do in his eternal kingdom. Because let me tell you something. There are folks that think I'm just a little bit too heavenly minded. And I think you're not enough heavenly minded. Because trust me, <laughs> this life is just a vapor. And it, this is true for all of us, but none of us know which breath's going to be the last breath, which beat of the heart's going to be the last heartbeat. None of us know that, no matter what our age and present health is. No, no matter what it is. When God says it's time to go, you're, it's time to go. He didn't, I don't have to be in a, in a car accident. I don't have to get a disease and die of a disease. I don't have to be shot or killed in some other way by another human being. Now, if all, any of that is his will, so be it. So be it. But if he wants me out of here, all he has to do is interrupt the signals from my brain to my heart, and it will stop. All he has to do is interrupt the 
signals between my brain and my lungs, and I won't breathe another breath. And my spirit will leave this body. It's not hard for him to do that. And he's the only one with the power to do it. Satan has the power of death, but he doesn't have the authority to use it. That's why death and hell are going to be cast into the lake of fire. The Lord doesn't kill anybody. The Lord doesn't take anybody's life. Satan is the one that takes life. He has the power of death. He does not have the authority to use it whenever and however he wants to use it. If Satan could kill you or me, we'd already be dead. Because if it was up to him, he wants us out of here. Saved or lost, he wants us out of here. So here we are. The confidence is this. This is not it. This is not it. I have a glorified body awaiting on me. That the real me. And Paul is really making it clear here. That this body is not me. It's the house, the tent, the tabernacle that I live in. And I'm going to have a glorified one. For eternity. A new body. Same me new body. So everything that I am in God that he has made me in character and giftings and ministry experience and wisdom and all of that that me is going to be in that new glorified body and he will use that according to his plan and purpose forever. Forever. I was reading the scripture early this morning and I read about that 144,000 that was going with the lamb wherever he went. I'm not going to be a part of that 144,000 because that 144,000 is not the church. I was a little jealous because that's been my prayer. Wherever he is, that's where I want to be. That song, heaven to me, heaven to me, Jesus will be what makes it heaven to me. I'm not looking for crowns. I'm not looking for titles, even though we're all going to be made kings and priests. I'm going to bequeath that to you if it was my authority to do so. You can be all the king and all the priests you want. I just want to be wherever he is. That's it. That's what I'm going to heaven for. Now, what he is going to do with me in heaven, that's up to him. And I will do. There's only one will in heaven. That's the will of the Father. So whatever that will is in heaven, I'm going to do that. But if I have a choice... I want to be there. And when it said of the 144,000 that wherever the lamb went, they went. Talk about an entourage. Uh, I went, okay, Lord. Now, you know, James and John want to sit on one, right, one hand on the other. I'm not asking for position. I'm not asking for recognition. I'm not asking for anybody know my name. I, I, I may be in the back corner just keeping the cobwebs out because that's what the Lord said do. As long as I'm in his presence at any moment of eternity, I want to be able to see his face. I want, to, I want it right there. I want to be right there where his face is. I, why? I, I don't know. I don't know. I, that's just the way I've always felt. I, 
It's just there. It's there. Oh, there is just a few moments that I'm willing to be out of his presence. Starting on literally right after midnight on January the 1st, 1974. Which is a long story. But something that I had been believing for that did not happen. I became very angry with the devil. And I told him really what I thought about it. And I didn't need to use profanity because the words I said were negative enough that they, the Bible considers that cursing. And I told him then, and I mean it today. If the Lord doesn't let me do that, that's fine. But I would like to spend just a moment or two. And this, that my moment or two will last for eternity for him. On the banks of the lake of fire. While I laugh my head off and mock him while he's burning in hell for all that he has done in destroying people's lives for thousands and thousands of years. Now, I don't want that more than I want to be in the presence of Jesus, so it's fine with me if the Lord doesn't let me do that. But, uh, okay, so you think I'm weird. Right, I'm weird because you live here. I don't live here. Oh, I, I live here enough. I love my wife. I love my children. I love my grandchildren. I love Antioch. I love my brethren. I love the beauty of God's mountains. I love the beauty of his sunrise and sunset. Some of my most beautiful things to see. I love to stand on the beach and look out over the ocean and realize that that's so infinitesimally small, but look at the vastness of God. I, I, like, the, I like the vacation, not going and seeing things that man made, but my wife and I like the vacation going to see things that God made. We like to go places that are naturally beautiful because they're the work, the heavens declare the, firmament, the, the glory of God and the firmament showeth forth his handiwork. We like that. We, we like to go someplace and rent a car and just drive. Just drive. Just drive and look and see. We're not interested in cities. For our 50th anniversary, we did a once-in-a-lifetime trip to Italy for a month. We didn't go to one major city in Italy. Not one major city. We didn't spend any significant time in any city. We drove through... Uh, Tuscany, and looked at all those beautiful golden, green, rolling hills. And then we went up to the Alps and spent a bunch of time in the Alps and, uh, and looked at the majesty of God. And then because we were having to leave from a city, we spent the last three days in Venice. And if you love Venice, God bless you. Been there, done that. Don't don't ever intend to go back ever again the rest of my life. Because if there's ever a city that man made, they said, okay, God, you put water here, but we're going to prove to you we're not bound by your water. 
we're going to build a whole city on this water. The height of man's glory, Venice. Frankly, it is fine with me if I never go back there again the rest of my life. And if you think that's unkind, or if you have your right to your opinion, you love the stuff men make, I love the stuff God man, God made. And I, I love to see it. Uh, it's, that's, that's one of the things I love to do when it's time for rest and refreshing of the body, not just of the inner man. I like to go places and see the stuff that God's done. I guess that's one reason why I like golf courses. I know man is the one that bulldozed and all that, but he didn't grow one blade of grass. He didn't grow one flower that's on those uh, those golf courses. He didn't he didn't create one of the awesome scenic places where they're set it where they're they're sitting is. They're set in some really many of them are set in some really beautiful places. Some in deserts, some on the cliffs of oceans, everything in between, down in valleys, up in mountains. Uh, and it's not the golf course per se, it's just being out there and talking to God. I'm not communing with nature, I'm communing with the God of nature, the one who created all that. Why? Because all of this is so infinitesimally tiny in importance and in magnitude and in, and in, in majesty compared to eternity and the eternal kingdom that my enjoyment is I'm looking at all that going, God, if you went to all the trouble to do all of this so majestically, so beautifully, if you went to all the trouble to paint the colors of every sunrise and sunset totally uniquely, if you went to that kind of detail for something that's going to pass away, what kind of effort planning and design did you put into forever? I'm going to forever as a part of him, as a part of his kingdom. Now, this lesson is a transition lesson because these rest of these lessons is about, about the purpose. What are we doing here? What is the love of God doing in us? And you will see that very quickly. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the grace of God, by the word of God, by the spirit of God, let each one of us be so convinced, so persuaded that we give ourselves completely to you, Father, not just for the here and now, but for the eternity with you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.